The World Series, as a colleague of mine would say, is history, and the offseason has officially begun. Welcome back. It's Brewers Weekly. I'm Dominic Catronio here on 620 WTMJ, referencing Eric Nadell, the radio voice of the Texas Rangers, the world champions. His home run call, of course, is that ball is history. He did not use... Uh, the World Series is history for his final call, but just wanted to wish him congratulations. He's been a massive part of my career, and the Texas Rangers have won it all for the first time in franchise history. So the Brewers, the club gets a little less crowded now uh, as far as teams that have never won a World Series. That list now falls to five. Quick note about today's episode. If you're listening on the podcast feed, no big deal. Uh, This is pre-taped today. I'm recording right after the World Series. Corey Seager is being awarded the uh, World Series MVP right now. And uh, obviously, if there's any news that breaks on Thursday, which I don't expect it to, I'm actually going to be on a plane all day Thursday. I'm starting my little vacation here uh, for the weekend. But the offseason officially begins tomorrow, Friday, and we'll get into some of the key dates. We'll get into what are the decisions looming for the Brewers in this episode. We'll talk a way too early look at the 26-man roster for opening day in 2024, and just some uh, baseball thoughts at the end of the show. And of course, Craig Council, that's coming up next, but I I just want to talk hear this playoff run and the Diamondbacks and what they just did and what the Rangers just did and what we're going to look at with the Brewers, right? I mean, if you watched Game 5 last night, you've you seen that song and dance, right, from the Brewers. Runners in scoring position. They went 0 for 9 with runners in scoring position. Did the Diamondbacks yesterday had a ton of pressure. Great pitching. Zach Gallen had his best performance, you know, since the complete game shutout against the Cubs back in September. And here we are in November. He turned in the gem, but it was all for naught. He gives up one run. He ends up being the pitcher of record because his team did not score a run. I, I, I think the Brewers understand what that looks like. And then the key error, of course, in center field by Alec Thomas. But I don't think they were scoring a run either way, even with it being 2 nothing at, at that point. It, it felt like it was 2 million to nothing at that point. But I, I don't want this to be lost on Brewers fans, and and we've seen it now over and over again, and I'm going to get into it more with the Craig Council segment in the next segment, but Bruce Bochy, it's his fourth ring, and he led the Giants as a wild card team to the World Series multiple times. Think about that for a second, And, and the fact that he just did it again with the Texas Rangers and a team that just went 11-0 on the road in the postseason. That is wild. Obviously, that's never happened before. Home teams in the whole postseason win a combined 15-26. A real weird year for postseasons. But when you look at the, uh, the Giants run, right? 2010, they won the West. 2012, they also won the West, but then they were a wild card team in 2014. They lost in the NLDS in 2016 as a wild card team as well. So he's done it before. He's now got two rings as a wild card team. The manager makes a difference. We'll talk about Council coming up in a bit. When it comes to the Diamondbacks, another wild card team. If the wild, if the Diamondbacks won this World Series. It would have been an upset of all upsets, a Cinderella run, it, it, a Leicester City 
type title where nobody saw it coming. I know the Diamondbacks were in first place in May, but I mean, the Brewers were playing their worst baseball in May, and the Diamondbacks were playing their best baseball in May. That just goes to show you how early of the season it was and that you 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 have so much baseball to be played, and it just takes a, a week of getting hot to believe that you can do it. And, man, they were on the surface of the sun for that week against the, the, the Brewers and against the Dodgers. They cooled off in those two games, those first two games in Philadelphia, and then what did they do? They just go out and win... Uh, four of the last uh, six games, <laughs> four of the last five games, I should say, actually, to come back and win that series against Philly. And I thought with a split in Texas, that series was definitely going to go back to Texas. I had picked the Diamondbacks in seven, but the Diamondbacks, just like we alluded to the Phillies leading up to the postseason this year, last year, the Diamondbacks just did the model. Okay, get in. That is all that matters. Getting in is all that matters, and it's a crapshoot. And if you want to get mad about it, if you want to get mad about the fact that, oh, the best teams aren't rewarded, I've got some takes on that for you later on in the show. But look, it it, it goes back to my saying, you've heard me, if you've listened all season long, and now heading into the offseason, it's my favorite phrase. I use it in a lot of aspects of my life. If you don't like it, play better. The Brewers got beat. Then the Diamondbacks beat the Dodgers. Then the Diamondbacks beat the Phillies. And, well, they got beat by the Texas Rangers. It's all settled on the field, man. And, you know, you look at the Rangers, you could have made every argument that they had, both of these teams for that matter, had no momentum going into the postseason, right? The Diamondbacks had just lost three out of four at home, or two out of three at home against the Astros. Uh, The Rangers had lost three out of four in Seattle to lose the Western Division. The Astros ended up winning the West. The Diamondbacks, you know, they got in on virtue of Cubs' loss, uh, and they were coming in to face Corbin Burns and Freddie Peralta. You could have made every argument that when the Brewers got first inning runs in both of those first games, you're like, all right, I mean, that's a team that doesn't have mojo, and they answered back both times. It's not sexy. The computer's... Don't have an answer for. I mean, the computers do. It's just that it's a short series and anything can happen. And, you know, the game is played by humans. Get in. It's so rare in baseball that the best team wins the World Series. You know that. And this year is another example of that. Two wild card teams. And that's why, this is exactly why we expanded the playoffs. However, I don't want the playoffs to be expanded any further from this. And we'll talk about the format a little bit later on in the show. But, the Diamondbacks should be very, very, very proud of their season winning the pennant. And they're going to be a model for a lot of teams say, look, just get in and see what happens. 84 wins, you get in and boom, you, you make it five games in the World Series. So congratulations to the Rangers. The Brewers can see some similarities there of, you know, I, I, 2018 vibes, of course, being one game away. And, you know, you, you were thinking that the Cinderella story is going to turn into a pumpkin uh, at some point for the Diamondbacks, maybe going back to Philly, and they just didn't until the World Series. And obviously the Brewers turned into a pumpkin in Game 7 of the 2018 NLCS, uh, the play in right field with Trent Christian in 2019, uh, Freddie Freeman in 2021. So, And this year it was you know both starting pitchers and then the offense kind of going quiet. But hey, that's all in the past. The offseason has officially begun. So let's get to the checklist here for the Brewers. And let's start with the thing right at the top. 
and that's Craig Council. A reminder, this show is taped if you're listening live on 620 WTMJ. You can always catch it in your podcast feeds on uh, Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. It's just Brewers All Access wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Dominic Catronio. Stay with us. Let's talk about the Craig Council situation up next here on 620 WTMJ. Rolling on with the show, first show of the off-season. I'm Dominic Catronio. Let's get into what the rest of the show is going to sound like. We're going to talk about the five biggest questions facing the Brewers this offseason. We're going to look at the important dates, the options, the decisions that the Brewers front office is going to have to make. We're going to look at the way-too-early 26-man roster, and we're also going to go ahead and have some baseball thoughts at the very end of the show. But we're going to start here with Craig Council. What's the latest? What's going on? How is this all going to play out now that the World the World Series is over? The offseason officially begins tomorrow, you know, the day after the World Series. Or I guess it technically starts today, but, uh, you know, everyone's open for business really, I guess, tomorrow. But here's the latest of what we know about Craig Council as of Wednesday, November 1st at 1026 Central Time. This is going to be a saga, and I think it's going to move quickly. What we know, today, Craig Council is officially a free agent. He has already met with the Guardians. He has not yet met with the Mets. We expect that by the end of the week, according to the Athletics' Will Salmon. The Brewers... I imagine there will be a meeting at some point soon, but nothing has been officially declared. So the options as it stands right now for Craig Council, return to Milwaukee on a brand new deal, go to New York on a brand new deal and likely become the highest paid manager in baseball, or go to Cleveland and inherit a a similar thinking front office and a similar pitching staff and a similar market size that can also pay their manager very well. I want to jump right off the bat here with a disclaimer. Manager salaries are not public like player salaries are. There has been speculation. There has been a lot of numbers thrown out there. The number that a lot of the national media seem to settle on is $3.5 million annual salary for Craig Council, making him one of the six highest paid managers in baseball already. If you've been reading any of this saga so far, you've read a common thread, the fact that you know Craig Council was formerly a players' union rep when he was a player. He cares about the health and sanctity of the sport. He also cares about labor in, in the sense of, hey, he's got a chance to standardize the market as the best available free agent manager on the market. Because none of this stuff is public, it, it's kind of hard to grade out. We did learn, though, that Terry Francona was one of the highest paid managers in baseball by the end of his time with Cleveland, which sounds like, you know, a, something like a double negative. Like, wait, Cleveland's able to pay their manager more than most other teams because they care about that position. They know how important the position is. They were paying, reportedly, Tito $6.5 million, so nearly double Craig Council's salary despite a similar market size. So the checkbook issue should not be an issue, if you ask me. The catch to that, though, is no one is going to outbid Steve Cohen. Okay, I think if I'm 
Craig Council and Steve Cohen, of course, the owner of the Mets, in case you missed that. The richest owner in baseball. If I'm Craig Council, I think the bidding has to start at $6.5 million for my services. And understanding that Cohen's going to come over the top no matter what. And there's obviously a bit of a tax to that and a bit of a a fee to that saying, hey, you got to deal with the New York media. You got to deal with the New York market that it's winter, go home. They're going to criticize your every single move, every single breath, every single step you take, whether you win or whether you lose. That is what you have to live with in New York. Cleveland, not really the same at all, but then you got to deal with the same hamstring, you know, quote unquote air quotes there about the front office and payroll and things like that. I, I, I see an opportunity for Craig Council, like I said with Bruce Bochy earlier. Bruce Bochy is one of the highest paid managers in baseball for good reason. And Joe Davis told the story uh, during the World Series broadcast on Fox that in the first day, the first meetings of spring training for Bruce Bochy, meeting with the Rangers, of course, Bochy coming out of retirement. He was fishing and hanging out in Nashville. He was living a great life. He's got three rings on his finger already before yesterday. And the first meeting, he said, I didn't come out of retirement to lose. He always said he wanted to go to a team that was ready to win. The Rangers obviously were. They spent $500 million up the middle with Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager, added Jacob DeGrom, added Nate Evaldi, traded for Max Scherzer. They've got a lot of things that they had going for them. There's no reason to believe the Mets won't do the same. And I haven't even mentioned David Stern's name yet. So let's make a case for each of the three teams. Why the Guardians? Well, we mentioned the money that they can put up a significant number in front of Craig Council and a kind of a low pressure, expect the manager to have a big role. They give the manager independence to make decisions and not be totally run off a spreadsheet like you'll see other front offices make their managers do. Uh, (coughs) The uh, Royals and the White Sox and teams that can't quite do it right. But the reason why you want to do the Guardians is because it's kind of the same old song and dance of what you're dealing with in Milwaukee as far as not getting the superstars. Granted, they've already signed Jose Ramirez to an extension. They're probably going to figure out what they're going to do with Shane Bieber here pretty soon. But there's a lot of similarities with Cleveland and Milwaukee. Why the Mets? An unlimited budget. It's probably going to be a revamped roster next season, despite the the luxury tax and what they're going to be paying for. They're going to be a, a brand new organization next year. And you get to work with David Sturz again, who, by all accounts, from what I've heard and from what I know, they have a good relationship. And people want to make things up about the Josh Hader trade and things like that, that Council and Stearns had a falling out. They did not. They are still good friends. They are colleagues. And it would be a familiar environment in a new place for both of those uh, executives, for the executive Stearns and for the manager, Craig Council. You always want that synergy between two pieces. But why not? Because it's the Mets. You're talking to the media twice a day, every day. The requests are going to be coming in heavier. You're going to have uh, a lot of late-night games, late-night flights, harder travel. There's a lot of things to factor in with the Mets. But then you, you look at the paycheck on the 1st and the 15th, you're like, okay, I can deal with this. And finally, the Brewers. Why the Brewers, right? And I preface this with the number, okay? Uh, again, I said $6.5 million, probably going to where the bidding starts. Craig Council has a chance to set the market once again. It's not going to be a hometown discount, whatever he gets, if he stays in Milwaukee, okay? I don't see him doing that. He understands the importance of taking what he can get because you don't do it forever and what he means to this team and what they've been able to do under his regime since uh, they started becoming competitive in 2017. The resume speaks for itself. It's home. 
It's still in a competitive window with more on the way. And furthermore, he probably has more leverage in Milwaukee than he does in either of those other two cities. Think about that. He can continue to come back and say, hey, you know, the Mets just offered me $9 million. What do you guys want to do about that? Now, I don't think the Brewers are going to offer $9 million to their manager, but we've all been shocked before. He's got all the leverage in this situation. And I think from all sources, from everybody reporting on this, it's going to move quickly. It's going to move very quickly. So maybe by the time you're hearing this, we already have news and I have to put out an emergency podcast, which I sure hope not because I'm on a plane right now as you're listening to this. But we're going to stick with this saga all the way through. So again, as of 1033 Wednesday night, November the 1st, Craig Council is a free agent. And we'll see where he goes from here. So that's the latest on him. Let's get into the five biggest questions that have nothing to do with Craig Council. That's in the next segment. Again, a pre-taped Brewers Weekly this week. If you're listening live, you can always catch it on the podcast, Brewers All Access as well. Stay with us, 620 WTMJ. We got five questions to get into here that don't have anything to do with Craig Council for what the Brewers are going to have to answer now that the offseason is officially beginning. I'm Dominic Catronio here on 620 WTMJ. This is Brewers Weekly. This is a pre-taped version of the show. We will be live as much as possible when there isn't a basketball conflict, but on the days that there are basketball conflicts, we'll probably just tape a 30 to 40 minute podcast and throw it straight into the feed here throughout the offseason. So we are returning to a weekly format. So stay with us throughout the offseason for all your Brewers coverage on WTMJ. All right, question number one, and maybe the most pressing one. This is going to lead into a lot of conversation coming up later on in the show. What do you do with Brandon Woodruff's shoulder surgery? In case you missed it, Brandon Woodruff, the uh, co-ace of the Brewers, decided to, in fact, get a shoulder procedure performed uh, to repair his uh, injury that he sustained at the very end of the season, kept him out of the postseason. What's it going to look like for him? The reason why this is Harry, in case you're unfamiliar with how the contracts and everything work, he is heading into his final year of arbitration, meaning the last year of guaranteed team control. Once you reach six years of service time, you are eligible to be a free agent in Major League Baseball. So with current projections saying he is going to be out for the year or at least most of the year, and there's a lot of layers to this too, you know, if Brandon Woodruff is going to rush himself back, he jeopardizes another injury in his free agent market value and things like that. Or if he, you know, decides to end up missing the whole year and the Brewers end up paying for a guy that didn't throw a single pitch for them and then goes into free agency with nothing in return, that's another thing to keep in mind. Or you can do something like the Rays did with Tyler Glass now. Remember, Tyler Glass now had surgery at the end of 2021, had to miss all of 2022, came back very, very late, and then now came back here in 2023. They decided to sign him to a two-year deal when he went under the knife. So that way, in this same situation where he was heading into free agency, they said, you know what, let's make sure we get a healthy version of Tyler Glass. And they, they paid the man. They gave him $30 million over two years, backloaded in the second year of that deal with $25 million due to him next season in his age 30 year. However, Brandon Woodruff is a little bit different story. Of course, a surgery is always a big deal. And to a shoulder, that's always something you hold your breath about, not to an elbow. Uh, he's going to be t- 31 years old in February. And then, you know, you think by the time he's 
a free agent, he'll be 32 years old heading into his age 32 season. There's a lot of teams that would hesitate at that. But I, I keep coming back. I, I see visions of Zach Wheeler when it comes to Brandon Woodruff because we saw what Zach Wheeler could do in the postseason, what he did all regular season long with the Phillies. He nearly he was the runner-up in the Cy Young in 2021 to Corbin Burns. Everyone was shocked at the Phillies for paying him that much when they paid him, given how often he was injured. Now, Brandon Woodruff has not been injured as nearly as often as Zach Wheeler was in the middle portion of that arbitration years. But I, I can see a scenario like that playing out where somebody's going to pay for Brandon Woodruff, understanding that there is risk involved. But when he's on, he's one of the best pitchers in baseball, and that's without question. So we'll talk about the options with that. So what do you do with Brandon Woodruff? Number two. What do you do about a potential Corbin Burns trade? He also heading into his final year of free age of uh, arbitration before free agency. We we know about the arbitration spat last year. He was the opening day starter, the game one starter. It didn't end well. Another All Star back to back or uh, three straight years All Star. Corbin is a great pitcher, and at the same time, with only one year of control. I don't know if you're going to get enough back for him of, you know, the return that you expect and maybe what you would have expected last year. And we're not going to do this revisionist history because the Brewers got bounced in the first round that, oh, they should have traded Corbin Burns during the season. No, we're not doing that. We are not doing that. Don't be that guy. Stop your friends if you hear them talk, oh, I should have traded Corbin Burns at the deadline. No, no, no. They had Brandon Woodruff on the way back. They had Freddie Peralta pitching well. Keeping things going, keeping things full. You could see the vision for the Brewers, what they were building. I worry there won't be enough in return for Corbin Burns. Even with the injury with Brandon Woodruff, that you know, do, you, do you you especially should keep Corbin Burns now, right? Maybe. But I, I the reason I personally don't trade Corbin Burns is because of the Brandon Woodruff issue. But maybe somebody wows you with a package that you can get of young, controllable players. And it's only for one year, so it's not going to be that big of a package. Uh, number three, my third question facing the Brewers this offseason. How are you going to shake out the corners, right? Third base and first base. Is Tyler Black going to make this team out of spring training? Are you going to re-sign Carlos Santana, which I think is unlikely? Are you going to pick up the option on Mark Hanna? We'll get into that in the next segment. Are you going to tender Rowdy Telez, who's due to make more than $5 million this year and you think about it, like it wasn't great in the second half. I know he was injured, but Rowdy uh, had his worst year of his career at a very poor time. And how the Brewers fill the corners is going to be a massive question, given they've had no pop from the corners this season. I mean, they traded Luis Arias. They, not that he had pop at third base. Brian Anderson did not work out. Rowdy Telez had the worst year of his career. Owen Miller is not a power-hitting corner infielder, but... The Brewers are going to have to figure it out. And Tyler Black's more of a third baseman than a first baseman. They have tried him at first base. They don't love him defensively overall, but he could be an option coming out of out of camp at third base anyway. Number four, how quick are the new class of freshmen going to be called up? The new class is going to feature Jefferson Caro, Jackson Churio, Carlos Rodriguez, Robert Gasser. Now, I think Gasser is going to make the club out of spring training. But Churio, we expect to see at some point next season. Caro is going to be added to the 40-man roster this offseason. I'll explain why in a moment. Rodriguez is the best pitching prospect you haven't heard about all that much, given the guys at the big league level have been stealing all the headlines. But there's a new class of freshmen to follow up the great class that arrived this season. 
And finally, the fifth question that I have, what would a mini teardown look like, and is it worth it? I know Mark Adonacio has always said we plan to compete. I don't want to tear it down every year. But you have every reason to right now. Brandon Woodruff, probably out. Let's say you non-tender him. Say, all right, thank you for your service, Brandon, but we don't know if you're going to be healthy. Corbin Burns, you're also out the door. Willie Adamas, keep you for a year to decide what we want to do with you. And then just go as young as you can with your controllable players. And then you open up a window for 2025 through 2029, 2030 with the players that you have right now. All that relies on performances, of course, but would a mini teardown even be considered if floated to the desk of uh, Mark Adonacio and Matt Arnold? I don't think so. But what would it look like? This is what we do. We speculate in the offseason. I wouldn't like to see it personally, but that's how we roll. We're going to talk about the important dates, the options, the decisions, all that stuff coming up here. Uh, Let's break it all down. This is a taped version of Brewers Weekly if you're listening live on 620 WTMJ. I'm Dominic Catronio. Catch us on the podcast feed, Brewers All Access. Stay with us after the break on WTMJ. As usual, I'm running a little long here on the live program. If you're listening along, this is a taped version Brewers Weekly. Dom Catronio with you. The offseason has officially begun, so i got to be tight over these next three segments. So let's see what we can do. Let's talk about the important dates, the options, and the decisions specifically facing the Brewers. So today, the trade market has officially reopened, okay? You can make trades. You can figure out if you're going to move players off major league rosters. But as far as free agents, free agents, you got to wait five days. So next Tuesday is when free agency will officially begin. However, the teams that the free agent is leaving or potentially leaving, they have the rights to negotiate during these five days to say, hey, here's our offer. You're welcome to test free agency, but here's what we would offer you when you come back after testing the water. So they're allowed to do that now, but free agent signings don't officially begin for five days after the World Series. So that is scheduled to be on Tuesday. You look at the Brewers' free agent options right now, and the guys that are due to be free agents or that are already free agents. Eric Lauer, one of them. He has already been cleared through waivers. He is a free agent rejecting his outright assignment. That's not uh, surprising. Here are the other players that you may have forgotten are free agents to be for the Brewers. Brian Anderson, already gone. Josh Donaldson, you knew that. Colin Ray, that could be an interesting pick. Darren Ruff. Remember, sliced his knee open in Cincinnati. Carlos Santana, Jesse Winker, and Victor Caratini. Those are three guys that really made an impact down the stretch, along with Colin Ray. I could see a scenario where you re-sign Caratini, but he might get more on the open market. You're not bringing back Winker. I think you got to try to make an effort to bring back Ray, given what how valuable he was to you and uh, what he was able to do for the Brewers. And given there is such a massive question mark in the starting rotation right now, depth is never a bad thing. I would entertain re-signing Carlos Santana and trying to see if you can get him on another one-year deal. And he's a Gold Glove finalist for a reason. He's going to be entering, though, his age 38 season. You wonder how much longer he's going to go. He signed for six and three quarters last year. That was with the Pirates. Do the Brewers see him as an option at first base in 2024. That remains to be seen. Also, five days after 
the World Series ends, so Tuesday. You have until then to decide on your options, okay? Here are the four options that the Brewers have to make a decision on. Andrew Chafin, a $725,000 buyout or a $7.25 million salary. I think they're going to decline that option. Justin Wilson, who tore his lat right when he was warming up in the bullpen. It's a saga that has been $725,000 buyout there as well. I think the Brewers are going to eat that too. I have been surprised before, given he's got a long rehab. I don't know what his status will be for spring training. Now, the other two are the interesting ones. You have a mutual option, meaning both sides have to agree with Wade Miley. Wade Miley has a million-dollar buyout or a $10 million salary for the 2024 season. Wade was hurt a lot this year. He's We've talked about the elbow with the loose bodies in the elbow. He's not totally healthy. He, it was a grin and bear it type year, and he made it through the year mostly. I mean, getting over 100 innings, he was very effective when he was available. I mean, the dude nearly retired last year. I wonder if he can patch himself up to say, I'm good to go for $10 million. And I wonder if the Brewers say, no, no, we're happy with buying you out and sticking around. But the clubhouse presence is huge. Uh, and again, with the question marks in the starting rotation, do you just go ahead and take it with, with Wade Miley? It's a good question to be had. But they have, again, five days after the World Series, till Tuesday to figure that out. And finally, a club option. So the team has the leverage on Mark Canna. Canna would be a $2 million buyout or an $11.5 million salary. Now, I look at Canna as an absolute candidate to be picked up for a couple of reasons. One, he could play first base. There's a massive question mark at first base. Is it going to be gold glove first base? No, but he can play first base. And number two, he's right-handed. If you look at this outfield next season, at least what it's projected to be, Christian Yelich in left, Garrett Mitchell in center, Sal Freelich in right. What do all those guys have in common? They're all left-handed. We know how this team rolls with platoons. Obviously, that's going to be your outfield against the righty. What's it going to look like against the lefty? You really would love to have Mark Canna in there, maybe playing left field, Yelich will DH, something like that. Maybe Weimer's with the team. I'm bringing Tyrone Taylor back, that's for sure. Maybe Churio's going to be up at some point. So all of that has to be considered. I personally would pick up the option on Mark Canna. I think he's a fit. I know he'll be one of the higher paid position players on this team, but look at the impact he had on the team at the end of last season. Another deadline to think about is the non-tender deadline. That is on November 17th, meaning all your arbitration or non-arbitration eligible players, you have until then to decide if you're going to tender them a contract, thus making them a free agent if you do not. So here are the guys that maybe you can think about non-tendering that it would obviously open up a 40-man roster spot. You could think about a guy like Abraham Toro, who has no options remaining, barely played in the big leagues this season, or you keep him around for depth. Uh, you look at, because you have to make a decision on Toro this spring training, if he has to make the team or he gets cut. That's that's that. Uh, same situation going with Jemai Jones. He's probably going to be non-tendered. He was a rental and wish him well in some other situation. J.B. Bukowskis could be a candidate to be non-tendered. Clayton Andrews could be a candidate to be non-tendered. Uh, Chiago Vieira could be a candidate, so on and so forth. And then some of the bigger names, you know, we've talked about Rowdy Telez, $5.9 million last year. He's due for a raise. That's just how arbitration works. Don't freak out, but that's how it works. He could be non-tendered, but the Brewers have to have a backup plan at first base ready to go. Speaking of right-handed and left-handedness, there's another lefty for this Brewers lineup if they're going to bring in, 
you know, the, the freshman into the outfield. And then Brandon Woodruff. We outlined it in the previous segment with his injury. Do you non-tender him and save the money? You also have until November 17th to decide who you're going to add to your 40-man roster to protect them from the Rule 5 draft. It's not a really heavy need to protect draft class this year for the prospect side. Jefferson Caro is one. He is obviously going to be protected. But as far as a couple of interesting names that were acquired in trades, Adam Seminaris, Justin Yeager, Joseph Hernandez, they were all acquired in trades in the last two years. They were also Rule 5 eligible. So see what the Brewers has had to do with that. And then much, much later is the arbitration deadline, January 12th. You have until January 12th to settle with your players on ARP. Okay, I went longer than I expected in that segment, but that's how it rolls here coming up for the next month. It's about to get wacky on the transaction wire. Let's go ahead and uh, project and uh, speculate. Let's uh, give you my way-too-early 26-man roster for the 2024 opening day uh, coming up next month. March, wild to say, in New York. How ironic would that be, of course. Uh, Take a breather. Come back with more on 620 WTMJ. This is going to be a tight segment. Welcome back, Brewers Weekly taped show. I'm Dominic Catroni. I'm on a plane right now, so I apologize if there's been any any breaking news today in the world of baseball as the offseason has officially begun with trades and things of that nature. Uh, But let me just go ahead and give you my way-too-early 26-man roster on the heels of all that stuff we just talked about here and then get out of the way of this segment and then uh, wrap things up with a look around baseball coming up next. Let me go way-too-early here and what I'm going to do. Six starting pitchers. Corbin Burns is on my opening day roster. Obviously, Freddie Peralta is too. Adrian Hauser is too. I'm putting Robert Gasser in my rotation out of spring training. Colin Ray, I am re-signing him given the depth that he gave the Brewers. And I'm hoping Aaron Ashby is healthy enough to be a starting pitcher. His velo is back and things of that nature. Now, if he's not, you roll with five and you you maybe put him in as that bridge guy, him in a Bryce Wilson type tandem start, if you will. Could work in the beginning of the season as guys get lengthened out. But that's my six-man starting rotation, and that's with an asterisk six, including Ashby in that. Eight relievers. I'm leaving a blank space, call me Taylor Swift, because there's always a reliever that isn't on our radar that gets acquired by the Brewers and comes into spring training and wows everybody. So I'm leaving a blank space for that, but otherwise the other seven were already in the big leagues at the end of last season, and it's pretty obvious. Devin Williams, Yoel Piamps, Trevor McGill, Hobie Milner, Abner Uribe, Elvis Peguero, and Bryce Wilson. Now this is all really easy to say, assuming health, there's always injuries, always things to look out for, but... I've got the usual eight relievers. Again, you've got a maximum of uh, 14 pitchers at the start of the year and uh, see what the Brewers can do with that. Maybe they just go with 13 and go with more length, add an extra starter, things like that. But 26-man roster at the start of the year. Eight infielders, and this is you know some utility guys. I'm calling up Tyler Black. I was right on Bryce Terang last year, and I'm going to put my neck out there again and say Tyler Black's going to be on this team cutting out of camp. Uh, Another catch, another left-handed hitter, so that might be working against him, though, depending on what the Brewers do with this roster. Willie, I think, is still on the team because you don't have a shortstop ready to go, and if you're saying Bryce Terang, I know what you're saying. I I want Bryce at second. He was probably the first man on the cutting room floor as far as Gold Gloves finalists go at second base, but I'm putting Bryce at second, and I said it in the last segment. I'll say it again here. I'm resounding Mark Canna. I'm picking up that club option. You need that right-handed bat, experienced bat. This team is very young on the offensive side of things. I want somebody with experience there. 
that creates a platoon at first, maybe, uh, if you do decide to keep Rowdy Telez, but I, I don't see the Brewers doing that. They'll figure it as they go, and you would keep a guy like Owen Miller, Andrew Monasterio for depth until somebody else shows up, like Andrew Monasterio showed up out of nowhere this season. And then I'm, you know, obviously William Contreras behind the plate, and I'm leaving the backup catcher as a blank space because it can kind of be whoever you want given the success of the Brewers catching lab. Finally, four outfielders, and this is no surprise, Christian Yelich, Garrett Mitchell, Sal Freelich, and Tyrone Taylor. Obviously, Mark Canna can play the outfield as well. No, Jackson Churio is not going to make the team out of camp, but I think he will be up at some point in 2024. It sounds chalky. I've been wrong before. Freezing cold takes. Get me whatever. I don't care. It's November, and I'm predicting the opening day roster at March. But that's how I feel it's going to look like. Got questions? Tweet me at Dom underscore Catronio. Final segment up next. I got to be quick. It's some final thoughts on the baseball season as a whole on WTMJ. I've got a minute 12 to get my point across here. I just want to wrap things up on a heck of a year. Don't listen to the negativity on the ratings and how bad this World Series was. I completely disagree. Baseball fans watched, and I'm happy for the Rangers, and I'm happy for the system and everything that worked out. The way I see baseball, their future of media, I mean, Valley Sports is a mess. We don't know what's going to happen with them. As an employee of Valley Sports, we don't know what's going to happen, even us. Continue to show up, continue to be a fan, continue to rise above the noise. Enjoy the beautiful game because I know the beautiful game is borrowed by another sport, but this is a beautiful game. Watching that World Series game last night, man, Zach Allen, Nate Evaldi, punch for punch. That was an awesome World Series game. The game is healthy. The game is getting better. There are stars at the forefront, and the game is getting faster, more fun, more exciting. So stick around. Let's have a fun offseason. Let's stay calm, cool, and collected. But I can't wait to break it all down for you all offseason long. My thanks to you for listening. I'm Dom Catronio. Keep on swinging.